Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they need to get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the mall. We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles We're in the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. My name is Soda, you can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter. And Ethan is not here today on the show. He is recovering from a surgery. And uh, with me is my wife, Nicole. Hey guys. Hey, yeah, okay. <laughs> this is our first ever show together. We're gonna be really awkward, but it's all right. We're not uh Drew and Caitlin, we don't have 115 episodes of experience with this. This is it. This is our one episode together. So, what do you do? What do you do for a living? I am a registered nurse at Mobile Infirmary, and we've been married since 2004, Oof. so almost 20 years now. So, you figure we might have a little chemistry at least. Some days. <laughs> we do have three kids. You know. I just realized you're wearing your Talladega shirt. I am. It's Talladega week. That's cool. I was going to wear mine tomorrow. I'm wearing an Alabama one today because it's A-Day also as we record. We're recording on Saturday. We're really late. Having a lot of uh, a lot of things going on with the house as far as timing of things, mostly. Like the water and stuff isn't ready in the new house, but the internet and cables over here. So we're having to get like a massive HDMI cord to run from one to the other so we can watch. <laughs> so we watched Talladega this weekend. Um, the AC is acting up a little bit. Uh, I mean, just, just little things that you have to deal with when when stuff is just starting. But we have to actually come into the new house to record. And that's why it's a little echoey if you hear that. Because there's nothing in here yet. It's really pretty, though. It's really pretty. We don't right now we don't have an air conditioner running and there's no uh furniture or anything like that but it's comfortable enough it's good so before we get started on the um on the real uh meat of the episode what number 53 obviously what comes to mind when you uh hear number 53. uh kevin dunlap <laughs> always be dunlap to you again that will always we um are at episode 53, which happened to coincide with our one-year anniversary, which is really, really cool. One-year anniversary is actually Friday, uh, the 21st. Uh, I didn't plan it that way. It just kind of worked out that way. And 53 is a major number to me and us in general, just because that is our race car number. That is the number we drove ever since the very first race that we ever entered. And I think I might have only driven a different number twice. Can you name the two numbers I drove other than 53? Mm, 33? No, I never drove 33. Benji drove 33. Then I got nothing. 35. 
Oh, when I put my number on there. No, that no, was no. the, um, you drove a 53B or a 53D. No, it was 53.5. That's it. That's it. It's 53 and a half. Yeah. She drove a powder puff race once. So we'll get her to talk about that in a minute. Um, no, I drove the 35 because we bought the Subaru. That's right. It was yellow. It was yeah, orange. Was it orange? It was orange. <laughs> I thought it was yellow. <laughs> Benji painted it yellow. I painted it yellow. Well, we painted that one yellow and black to match my yellow, my red okay. and black car. That's right. It was orange. Mm -hmm. I remember that now. It was an orange 35, and uh, I painted the rims white. That's the only thing I did on it because that's I always run right, white rims. Um, But, yeah, we drove it uh, for one race. In the 4th of July race, it was a 50-lap race. And uh, finished second in it. You know, started on the pole, finished second because I missed. I started second, I think. Finished second. I missed a shift on the start and had to really come back through it a lot. To first time in the car and I missed a shift. You know, I, I did. I did that a lot. He did do that car. a lot. It was oof. When, just when, being in the grandstands, <laughs> watching it happen, knowing exactly what happened. You wanted to strangle him sometimes. <laughs> if I wasn't used to the car, I would do it. I got to where I stopped doing it in the Celica. God. You know, it took a couple of races, but I stopped doing it in the Celica, and I, I nailed every start in the Celica. Yeah. What was the other number? 77. It was a Celica. Oh. We drove it for one race at the very end of the year. We drove It was Chris's car still, and we bought it off of him no, that was after like our, that race. Yeah, it was our test run mm -hmm. with it. He, he let me, which is weird in retrospect thinking about it, but he let me kind of test the car before I, uh, I raced before I me mean, before I bought it. So we entered the last race of the season with it and I finished third in that race. And that car was crazy out of control because he didn't know how to set up a car, but it was crazy out of control. And once I got a hold of it and started messing with it, my own, you know, my own settings and stuff like that on it, it was, um, a lot, lot better to control and, and just as fast as it was. But yeah, we finished third in it. That was the only two races that I drove that wasn't 53 that I can remember. I don't remember driving a 33. I think that was just Benji because he would, Benji would always take my old cars and put 33 on them. Yeah. I didn't know if you had to drive it one weekend. I don't think so. I can't think of a time where I was in the 33. I can't think of a time I was in any other car. The only car I was in other than ours was the 77. I never drove anybody else's car either. That's true. So not even, not even Jamie's or Rodney's. I never was 19 or 48 or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, before we really get into it though, um, because we're going to talk about some racing stuff from our past. And we're going to also go into Talladega some because this weekend's Talladega. And that's a major race for us too, because it's pretty much the only race we ever go to other than lately the Daytona 500, but the, uh, Talladega weekend, God, we've been going there forever, but since before we got married, actually. Like two days before we got married. I want to go over the uh, In the Marvel's Fantasy Cup standings real quick. Last week at Martinsville, Kyle Larson won, and nobody picked him again. Whenever Kyle Larson wins, nobody picks him. It's crazy how everybody picks Kyle Larson for every other race except for once he actually wins. And honestly, I wouldn't have picked Kyle Larson for Martinsville either because he says he hates the track and he's not good at it. So I would have done the same thing. I didn't pick Kyle Larson. My my pick was Tyler Reddick, and he was actually doing pretty good right along with your pick. Who did you pick last week? Do you remember? You don't remember either? Oh, it was right there with mine. 
William Byron. William Byron, yeah. He, him, him and Tyler Reddick, I don't know what happened to them on the last restart, but they were running in the top 10 and they got shuffled out. Like, I don't know if they just got shuffled out of line or they both started wrecking each other or something, but they stayed right together and they wound up finishing like 22nd, 23rd or 23rd, 24th or something like that. So it really messed us up. But um, in the points things right now, Justin has a massive lead. It's over one race right now at uh, 41 points over Drew, uh, followed by me. Uh, I ha Justin has 360. Drew has 319. Third is me, 304. Fourth is John at 302. Fifth is Billy at 299. Sixth is Matt with 297. Jessica is seventh at 283. Eighth is Ethan at 279. Ninth is Josh, 276. Caitlin is 10, 274. Eleventh uh, is RJ at 250. Twelfth is Rock with 239. Thirteenth is Nicole at 228. Which you, you're picking good people. It's just you got some bad luck, mostly at the end of these races. They just they fall off. I don't know what happens. I'm starting to have that. It's getting aggravating because I thought I was doing pretty good there, but now I'm 56 points out of the lead. Fourteenth uh, is Tim, uh, 204. And 15th is Joe at 187, and 16th is Jody at 163. This week is a prize race. Drew is putting up a, an autographed Jeff Burton relic card, which I hope I win, honestly. Yes, it will look bad if I win both cards, but I don't care because Jeff Burton, that is right. It's the XI Batteries number 99 Jeff Burton autograph card. That's right, like my teenage years like 97, 98, 99, right in those e those years. And um, grew up watching them, so I'd love to win that card. And I hope Nicole wins it too because that means it might – I'll, I'll take it. It's usually <laughs> what happens. It's fine. Um, well, we definitely want to wish Ethan the best. I uh, hope he gets better real quick. hope he recovers. Gets on back to work like he wants to. Gets on back to normal life. Um, he will though. He will. No, no problems with that. It's just getting through it and, uh, hope he's doing okay. In the meantime, let's talk about some of our old racing stuff. We started racing in 2004 and I believe you bought my first race car. I did with my graduation money. You remember what car it was? Uh, Geo Storm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't I didn't remember the year. I think it was a ninety. Does that sound right? I think you're right. Yeah, it's ninety or ninety-one. Yeah. We um <laughs> it had an awful cage in it. It had an awful roll cage. It was made with like angle iron and also <laughs> it, so it had the most <laughs> Alabama backyard roll cage you could imagine. But yeah. I bet if you had ever rolled it or wrecked it, it would have been perfectly fine. Well, maybe. Maybe. You know. I've, I've never seen a roll cage with angle iron in it though. That was, yeah. that was different. I was, you know, of course this is my first race car and we're running in a, it was a brand new class at the time. I don't think it had been running a full year yet. I think I was one of the first, like the class was a front wheel drive four cylinder car. And I think 2004 was its debut in this area. I want to say late that year I was in on the debut because we didn't start racing until like July, August, somewhere in there. 
I think it was, it was later in the year when we started racing. I remember painting the car. We thought it would be nice to use that, um, this cobalt blue spray paint. And it was supposed to have this like metallic look to it. I was like, cool. You know, we're going to have a, a real shiny glittery car and we spray painted and it turns out that metallic look was like a powder that kind of laid on top of the paint and nothing would stick to it. No decals would stick to it whatsoever. And we also did that fluorescent orange like yard paint <laughs> kit and we painted around the bottom of it and the spoiler. It looked really cool from a distance, but when you got up close to it, like the only way we could get decals to stick to it was to put like some kind of glue around the edges of it and it, and it looked bad. It looked awful, but from a distance, it looked great. I even had people say, wow, you got a beautiful car. I was like, yeah. I think track owner actually told me that. Like, love that car. It's beautiful. So we took the car out to Flumberton Speedway, and I think we ran three races total before it blew up. No, it didn't blow up. The clutch went out. <clears throat> Probably from someone not shifting properly. Well, you know. I learned to shift in that car. That's why our clutch went out. Is that... Uh, now, one of the mechanics we had, um, yes, this is so Alabama sounded, uh, Junior, um, he told me that it was because I the track got me to push a car that was starting uh, in front of me yeah, one night. I remember that. Because it was, it was my second race, and during the heat race, I actually almost won the heat race, but me being really new and not knowing what I'm doing, I messed up with like two laps to go in turn two and it completely messed me up and somebody took the lead. I wanted to finish in second. So I started outside, but the winner of that heat race couldn't get his car started. So I had to push him around for a few laps and eventually they just told him to get off the track. So I started outside pole in that heat, in that feature. I think I wanted to finish in six or seventh or something, but he said it was because the track had me to push him around the track a little bit. And that's what burnt the clutch up. I remember that now. Yeah. But we, we paid, got the clutch fixed and then we made it to the track and then it blew up. I think what happened when the clutch went out, it overrode the engine. Cause I was probably wide open when the clutch went out. Yeah. So it spiked the RPMs. And by the time I got back out there, during the heat race, it started blowing up. Yeah. Which I think I paid $250 for the car <laughs> to begin with. I think the clutch. Race ready. I think, yeah, I think the clutch was more expensive than the car it was, it was. itself. It was. Back back in the day, in 2004, we could buy these front-wheel drive Stinger race cars for 200 bucks. Yeah. Because I think the next one we bought, uh, the Mazda was, I think, about 250 Somewhere there. It wasn't expensive. Yeah. We did have to build the cage for that one, though. We mm -hmm. did have to have the cage put in that yeah. one. Yeah. So we, we did that. And it wound up being a pretty decent car. It was a Mazda Mazda Protein. That's right, isn't it? Was it? I'm thinking my first car was an MX6, but Mazda Protege. I think it was a Mazda Protege. Um, that's when we started racing. What? Didn't we have like a 626 at one point? Or was that? That was our red car. The little, the, the personal That's car right. we had. We, That's we had a Mazda personal car too. Okay. It just happened to be Mazda's to cook over our lives for a little bit right there. 
But, um, so yeah, we took that Mazda to a new track that had just opened up and was finally starting to run these, uh, four cylinder cars. And I fell in love with the track. The track was a half mile high banks, uh, track called deep South speedway. Nothing like that around here. And actually I know a lot of people, even, even people that race higher classes that I looked up to when I was a kid locally said that that track scared them because it was faster than anything out here. People saying somebody's going to die at the track and somebody's going to get hurt at the track because it's way too fast. And I thought that was the most fun track I had ever raced on because of the momentum you could keep up because of how much speed you actually had, because some nights you could run right up against the wall and then other nights you had to go right around the bottom. And sometimes you could go all over the place. Um, there's a picture of me five wide down the front straightaway at this track, which I've, I've shared on Twitter this past week. It's, it was so much fun. I, that, that wound up being my main track. I, I ventured off and we raced a couple of other tracks here and there. Uh, we, we probably hit every single one of the dirt tracks up at least once. We had one out in Baker, Florida. We had one in Milton, Florida. We had one in Flomaton, Alabama, which was the first one I raced at. Um, don't think we hit up any other ones because those are pretty much all the local ones. We didn't go to, to Mississippi or Greenville or anything like that. There was some a little far off. I'll tell you right now, though, if we if we were racing right now, we'd be taking a trip to uh, Bristol. Yes. I mean, I don't care if they have more money than I do or not. I wouldn't be out there <laughs> racing with them at Bristol. Let's get this house situated first. This has <laughs> been an adventure the past two months for sure. Well, I hope they, I hope they keep doing that. The, the rumor is that they're not going to do that anymore. I hope they do because this past race was the best race. And I really like what it does to the local divisions. They get to go out to Bristol, late model street stocks, modifieds, uh, sprints and the uh, front wheel drive compacts. They get to go out there and they get to race full weekend events, uh, during these two weeks worth of, uh, I don't know what they call it, but what they call the big event that they have out there, but all these two or three weeks worth of dirt racing out there. It's, it looks, looks like it'd be so much fun. And, if I was ever able to go out there in a, in a compact or something and make the feature of all the cars that are in because usually it's like 75, 80 cars or something to enter the thing. And they, they put like 25 or 30 out for the feature. So if you ever were to make that feature, man, what a, what an event, how much fun that would be. Now going back to the Mazda, the first race wasn't at deep South, was it? Cause it was the first no. race was at Flomaton. Yeah, you're right. Because we got in, not in trouble, but they kind of talked to everyone about um, making sure you had real numbers on the car <laughs> <laughs> because we were in such a hurry getting that car ready that it was still like the factory silver, mm -hmm. but I think it had like a mix match fenders and stuff like that. It, it, it had body parts from a bunch of different, yeah, different color cars on it. So we uh, just threw some duct tape. As a yeah. number on there. Some orange duct tape on the side of it. And raced, raced it that night. But, um, of course, we had to put the roll cage in there, which the local day family helped us out with that. But uh, we didn't do a really good job with the window net, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the window net. Um, Kept falling. It wasn't welded in. The, uh, the window net was, uh, maybe I'm thinking of a different car. Right there. It might have been the Mazda that wasn't welded in, but it might have been the Sundance too. But one of them wasn't welded on the bottom, I know, and it would come out and stab the steering wheel once. But yeah, the the that night at Flomaton, it kept falling. Yeah. So 
in retrospect, because I was actually pretty fast. I think I actually unlapped myself once because I had to come in to get the window net fixed. Um, I think I actually unlapped myself on the racetrack one time. Yeah. Because you remember if Micah, he was the track owner's son, came over afterwards that night and he was so hyper because this is a new class and everything like that. And all, you know, they'd only done real world drive racing and mm -hmm. he couldn't get over how fast that little Mazda was. And I feel like if we didn't have a window net problem, I probably could have won the race. Oh, yeah. Because I totally, you don't see many people on dirt tracks, especially with these small these smaller events, they're only like maybe 15, 20 laps. They don't usually unlap themselves, you know? So usually if you get to the pits, you're out of it completely. But I had to get to the pits and get the window net fixed. I don't know how many laps I lost. I might, I might have lost two or three. But I come back out and kept racing and went up to the leaders and passed them. Got mm -hmm. in front of them and the caution came out. So I was able to go all the way back around. That, that mess just didn't happen. I know the leader had to be thinking, oh, man, I just got passed for a win or pass for the lead. And then all of a sudden, you know, I just kept going and, you know, he got picked up as the leader. I feel like if in retrospect, I probably would have just held my hand up there and held the window net up or just race without it. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I know that's not the safest thing to do. And just under caution, I would have tried to get it back up there, but unless next time I probably ain't going to come off the track until they black flag me. <laughs> that's true. I think we had that discussion. Yeah. Cause I don't think, we didn't have any idea why you came off the track. Well, back then it was the whole, it's to me, it was all about safety. It's like, cause it, I was still really new to it and a lot of it scared me. So the window nets down, I know from listening to NASCAR shows and movies and stuff like that for so long, I know why the window nets there. Yeah. Because somebody a long time ago, Joe Weatherly, I think actually popped his head on the concrete wall and it killed him. So the window nets there now. And Richard Petty, actually, too, he uh, flipped down the back straightaway at Darlington one year, and he was flopping around outside the car. And everybody thought he was dead. Obviously, he wasn't. But that also brought along the window net. So I see that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it scared me, the fact that the window net was down, because in the back of my mind, I know that's what's there. But in retrospect, especially knowing that nothing happened, I probably would have just kept going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But they did make the rule to where you had to have non-duct tape numbers <laughs> that week. So we did go and paint the car blue and orange. As Kevin always wanted his car blue and orange for some reason. We're not quite sure. Of well, I th I, okay. It's an Auburn colors, I know. But at the same time, I think blue and orange looks really good on a race car. It doesn't look good on a football field. Because obviously Alabama fans are not going to like blue and orange, but especially orange, but I never really had, oh, I did have an orange car at 35 was orange, Yeah, but we painted that. We painted that soon after for Benji. I think I just wanted the car for the Fort July race because it wasn't going to break, but I, yeah, I don't know why I just, I always liked the blue and orange on the racetrack. I always thought that looked good on the racetrack, but I got away from that eventually. It took a couple of years, but I got, I got I know, to red and black. I know why you got rid of it because I used yeah. to have to record every <laughs> single race for Kevin. And it was fine. As long as I had someone with me that could like go to the pits. If he come in really fast, 
Um, but there was this little kid and we were at deep South speedway and your car was blue and orange and there was another red and white car and they had an Alabama sticker on mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And the little boy couldn't have been more than four or five years old. And he's down there with his dad and I hear it plain as day as I'm recording. It was like, Oh look, the Alabama car just passed the Auburn car. Oh, now the Auburn car is passing the Alabama car like that. And I'm cracking up because we've all thought this, like we're huge Alabama fans. Why do we have a blue and orange car? <laughs> but that was Kevin, you know, and we always, you know, did whatever he wanted to the cars. So when we played back that video for him the next day, that was it. You saw it in his face. As soon as the little boy recognized that as an Auburn car, we immediately started painting cars red, white, and black. And even putting huge Alabama stickers on one of them. Yeah, the, the, the Celica had a big Alabama logo on the hood. Um, mostly black. I got to where I just like the cars black with some red and white trim and stuff. But yeah, um, that was still, that was a Sundance, I think at that point. Yeah. It was a Sunday. It was at deep South. So the mods that we raced and we won a few races with that at deep South. Um, we took it to Flomington one night for the 4th of July race that they have because they usually have big money races on holidays and stuff. But we just, I mean, I guess it was kind of neat in the, in the in hindsight, and it gave that car the, its nickname. But we went and saw that uh, movie at the time. Uh, this is 2005. Uh, Herbie Fully Loaded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we saw, yeah. <laughs> we saw that. And um, we decided we we're going to paint the car because we're 53. We we're going to paint the car like Herbie. And it looked pretty neat. You know, I'm not going to lie. It looked pretty cool. And it it's funny. That I got a video of uh, one of the heat races at deep south with that car painted like herbie and you, you could hear the announcer when he understood finally what happened like i was like it's that's kevin dunlap i don't know why he's in a white car this week but he's painted like uh like that movie that just came out herbie fully loaded like oh oh i get it now he, he's doing this all over the loudspeaker and it, it was that was funny i thought more people would get it but because that movie was out in theaters at that point. And we actually, at the time, kind of thought the movie was fun. Now it's, when you look back at it, it's kind of silly. But It was a silly movie. But, but it was fun. My mom really enjoyed it, though. She, or she loved it when it was Herbie. So from that point on, even when that car was a different color, it, it was named Herbie. Yeah. From that point on. And um, we took it to... Baker, Florida, we took, we re-raced that scheme three times. We took it to uh, Deep South and raced it. And I don't remember where we finished. Somewhere, by this point, people are starting to get some really fast front-wheel drive cars, and we're starting to fall back a little bit. Uh, mostly fifth, sixth, seventh place finishes. That's usually how, it. usually these things go in cycles, where initially when you get your car, you're up front, top two or three. And then other people start getting different cars, finding a little bit more speed. And if you don't do anything to change, next thing you know, you're sixth, seventh, eighth place. And then you got get you a car now. And then you're back up to in the top two or three. And it, it, it goes like that in cycles. But with this particular car, we raced at Deep South one night as Herbie. I don't remember where we finished, probably mid-pack, fifth, sixth, seventh, somewhere in there. We took it to Baker, Florida another night. And it was fine up until somebody slammed on brakes in front of me somewhere. And I got one picture of it without a crinkled up hood. And then every other picture after that's got a crinkled up hood. Mm -hmm. 
So I think we end up taking that back, uh, taking that off and beating it down to where it's flat again, where it's shut and all that. And we take it to Flomaton and somebody wrecks right in front of me on the front straightaway and I T-boned them on the near the start of the race. I want to, because I think everybody was pretty much bunched up. So it was only like one or two. And that pretty much killed the car. It went on the track a couple of times after that, but pretty much that was it. Um, I never raced it again. From that point on, we, we looked for other cars. We uh, picked up a Chevy Corsica. Oof. That was rough. <laughs> that was rough. I did win one race in it. I I know Nicole likes to, to bust my chops a little bit for that race. Um, I did win it. It was a, it was a race. We were up there waiting on waiting to go onto the track. It was a heat race. So there was like six cars. We were waiting to go on the track, and all of a sudden, it started uh, raining. So we were sitting up there, waiting on the rain, and it glossed the track over just a little bit, you know, because the track was pretty tacky still. But then when that rain hit, it was it just glossed it, you know, like a fresh layer of mud on top of the dirt. And uh, nobody packed it in before we went out there. We got these little skinny street tires as opposed to these big, wide racing tires. Some of the bigger classes have nobody packed it in. They just sent the front wheel drive cars out there to go race <laughs> and turn one. I started up front. Uh, it was a random draw. I think I started second turn one. Uh, a caution came out as I come out, come out of turn two on the back straightaway and come back around. There's like cars upside down and <laughs> a big massive pilot behind me. <laughs> I think one other car made it out. And uh, she was not very, very good, the, the, the lady that made it out. And um, so that wound up being the rest of the heat race. I will tell you, tell you this, though. Yeah, I beat one other person in that Corsica, but it goes down. I won a heat race in the Corsica. He did win the heat race, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'll say this, though. That race was one of the most fun races because the track was really, really wet. That Corsica was heavy. Yeah. And it... That was before we we uh, discovered that we could like, snap the brake off the right front and make the car pitch the way it needs to in the corners because these front wheel drive cars will push right up the track, especially the faster tracks. Like or the bank track wasn't as bad as like some of the flat ones, but it would uh, push up the track and you couldn't really get a good angle through the corner. But with that heavy car, still four cylinder front wheel drive but heavy especially in the rear end it would slide on that mud and i had so much fun just just pretending like i was racing a late model at you know 45 miles an hour or whatever i was going with that mud but oh it was a lot of fun and i wound up winning and i was excited about winning because i don't think i had won in a little bit up to that point but uh i think we even tried to get a i think that was the next year 2006 but that was 2005 we got at Corsica and towards the end of the year we picked up the Sundance. And Sundance I think was the most expensive car by far at that point. I think it was 750 wasn't it? Or was it fifteen hundred? I think it was like fifteen hundred because yeah. you know we were newlyweds and you know poor. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to say we took out a loan to we, get it. We probably did. I worked at the bank at you that point. Did. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember 
we took out like a little personal loan, which, you know, they were always offering them to the employees because it was like, you know, 0.5% back then for employees. And because we bought a four-wheeler that, that way as well. Mm-hmm. But yes, but I remember going to get the Sundance. I think by far that was the far, farthest we'd ever been to buy a car. About an hour and a half away. But the guy had yeah. the Daytona. Yes, that guy was a Mopar guy, and yeah. he was he was a drag racer, I think. But he mostly just had restored Mopars in his garage, and he had a Dodge, a wing Dodge Daytona, like nineteen, I guess seventy, uh, wing or sixty nine Daytona, just sitting in his garage, just right there. Like you open the door, and it's just right there, and you, you don't ever see these things. I guess I have seen that car before then drive around Pensacola once or twice. Yeah. Like once in a blue moon, you'll go through an intersection and there'll be that wind tunnel right by and you just like catch just you just sit there with your, your jaw dropped as you watch it go by. It's just the most amazing car that you ever see on the street. It's just so radically different than everything else. But to just open the garage and see it right there, you're just like, wow, just insane. Why are you want so much money for you you have money? Yeah. Why don't you just give this car something? <laughs> but wow. I think we like looked at the Daytona more than we looked at the Sundance that day. <laughs> Just like checking it out. But the Sundance was <laughs> neat because he built it for his son and it had an amazing roll cage. Mm-hmm. And then it, we got introduced to gel batteries then. It was the first gel battery we we ever saw. And expensive batteries. Yeah, we always got Everstar or whatever. Yeah. Cheap thirty dollar battery. You can't buy batteries for thirty dollars nowadays, but back then you could. But then didn't it have like a glass pack? exhaust system it did. on it, it <laughs> like the most random things it is. on this car um yeah i remember the first race out in it i don't know if we won it but we won a race really really quick with it like the first couple of weeks it might have been the first race out in it i think it was and that's the one with jamie well we also we, we talked to the guy that that we had bought it from somewhere. I don't know if we called him or what, because it was before text messages and all that became real prevalent. But we talked to the guy that we bought it from and we had mentioned, like, oh yeah, we won this week with it. And he was shocked. I remember yeah. that. He was like, you won with that car? It's like, well, how bad is this car? He didn't tell us it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, so we surprised him a little bit that we actually were able to win with it. And then, yeah, we met Jamie. Jamie decided he was going to get a Sundance because he was a drag racer. He was going to get a Sundance because he saw our car and how fast it was when he came out there. So he bought a Sundance. And the next year, everybody else, you know, they they figured out they beat their cars up. Yeah, they figured out the Saturn dual overhead cams. Mm -hmm. And then everybody went out and bought dual overhead cam Saturns. That's one thing I'm proud to say. I never drove a Saturn dual overhead cam. Oh, my God. It just flooded the whole series. Every track you would go to, there'd be six or seven Saturns dual overhead cams, and they would just outrun everyone. It It, was so aggravating. It's like the street stock classes nowadays where everybody has that metric Monte Carlo, and there's nothing special about anybody's car. It's just everybody's got that same body. The bomber cars, street socks, everything is exact same body. I never like that in a class on dirt. Like if you want to do that and you want to do that with the upper classes, like late models and modifies and sprints, that's fine. 
but the lower you go, I feel like the more variety type of car you have, the more fun the class is. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, we were used to remember the guy that had the PT cruiser. Yeah. There was a PT cruiser <laughs> out there. Racing. It was fast too. Well, like it was a newer PT cruiser. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the story went like his wife had wrecked it and the insurance had like totaled it out. Oh, he wrecked it later. I saw it firsthand. Oh yeah. When he flipped it. Oh God. I was right there. I was on the bottom yeah. of that. They were him and this other guy were racing. I was on the bottom. I was in third, I think, and they were first and second. And back then, Deep South Speedway did not have a concrete wall on the back. It had a dirt bank, which you couldn't really go over. I, I hit it one day. I know you can't go over it. Um, but at the edge of it was a big tire uh, stack at the end of a concrete wall because the concrete wall entered around the corners. So in turn three, the bank kind of went away. And there was, I think there was actually still a little bit of a road behind the concrete wall. So there was a gap between the bank and the tire mound right there at the edge of the concrete. Just so you don't, just so you don't plow into the concrete wall head on. Yeah. It has that tire barrier there to kind of soften the blow. Well, these two guys, PT Cruiser and somebody, I can't remember who it was, they got hooked together and they drove each other all the way down the back straightaway, hooked to each other like that. And they hit the end of that concrete wall where all the tires are. And I was on the way bottom on the inside watching it. And they hit that thing and both of them went flying through the air when they hit it. Like, holy crap. It's just, there's a couple of wrecks I've seen in my life that I've been right on top of on the racetrack. And that was one of the wildest ones I've ever seen. So he definitely he totaled that thing out eventually. Oh, yeah. But it was neat, all the different kind of cars we used to have. My stepdad had a Volkswagen Golf. Yeah. Or that he had. Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. A little, so we, you couldn't really run Beetles because those are real wheel drive, real drive, rear engine cars. But you could run the newer Beetles. I think I saw a couple of those before. Um, yeah, everything from Ford Escorts, Honda Preludes, uh, Chevy Cavaliers, Chevy Cobalts. I think I saw one out there with that. Sundance. Uh, we ran a Dodge Daytona once which that was a fun car. It was, it was fun for one track anyway. It was a real fun car for one track. It was two. The, these front wheel drive cars are not supposed to mess with the gears on them. So you kind of, uh, you kind of have to pick and choose what track you go to based on your car. I always, I always end up having tracks that were the cars that were best at this one particular track I raced at except for this Dodge Daytona, which I knew was fast, but it just wasn't, the gearing was wrong for it, for the half mile racetrack. And it wouldn't, it just wouldn't accelerate and get up to speed as, uh, at the same rate as everybody else would, just a little slower at this particular track. But if I took it to a smaller track, like a quarter mile, and flunked it, I'd near about lap the field in a heat race. Like I won by, in, in six laps, I won by half a lap. You know, it just, it's it's funny how certain cars do certain things that, that sell that we want to get want to do everything at every track. Just because it was amazing. So after the Sundance, we went, we went straight to the Toyota Celica, correct? Um, I think for the Sundance, we actually bought the Daytona. Oh, okay. We bought the Daytona uh, as a backup car. And... Then we tried Bomber a little bit. We uh, we found a uh, Dodge Diplomat, I think, for about 200 bucks. Also, I don't think it was real expensive. There's a Dodge Diplomat. Bomber is an eight-wheel drive 
uh, eight-cylinder uh, rear-wheel drive car. And it's a completely different class. And that car was a piece of junk. That was just, it looked pretty, but it was a piece of junk. We, I just, we, we went and tried to get a, 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 the right gearing for it. And we wound up missing it by a lot too. And it had some kind of, it had so many electrical issues to where you had to do all sorts of crazy stuff inside of it. We used to get it started. And, um, I remember running wide open at Flomison Speedway, never lifting off the gas and getting lapped after lap after lap, just, just getting passed all over the place. It's like, all I am is just riding around. I'm just out here. I can't do anything. I can't go any faster. I'm going right now. Just wide open. It just, it wasn't a fun thing. I think we ran that one race and we said, no, no more with it. But the day we wound up doing the Daytona too. And, uh, it, blew up on us also. Now let's talk about those paint jobs then. That Daytona had a nice paint job because it took me about a week to paint it. <laughs> yeah, we painted at Mopar. So uh, th that year, both those cars had that checkered flag that was hand painted around the bottom half of it. And uh, just random like colored zigzags down the side of it too. But halfway through the year, we decided we were going to change the paint job because we painted about identical. We decided we we're going to paint, change the paint job on the Daytona to make it a Mopar car. And I put on an IGN NASCAR racing 2003 message board of all places, because there were so many good designers in that, that area of the, you know, the game customization stuff. I put it out there. It's like, if somebody can design a race car, based on this scheme I have right here, because I wanted to keep the checkered flag and make the numbers the same and all that, you know, but I wanted to keep the checkered flag on the bottom because it's so on the paint. I didn't want to paint over that. So if somebody can design a really cool design, make a Mopar for this car, I'll paint the car. And I had three or four different entries in it. And one came out just beautiful. It was that same blue that we had, uh, the orange stripe, on the uh, just over the uh, checker flag, actually looped up and around the back window, and the whole back half of the car was black. And man, it was beautiful. It was. And we we painted it in real life, and it looked just as good in real life as it did on the render. And it looked excellent on the track. That's probably the best looking car we've ever had. I'm still so proud of that car because we we worked on that one, painting it, and uh, it won with that paint job. Just so much fun. I want y'all to go look at the pictures he posted on Twitter that check flag on the bottom of both of the cars. Mm -hmm. Every little square was hand painted. Yeah, it's by me. It, it was legit. It's all, you know, down there sitting cross legged painting black, white, black, white, just everything. It's uh yeah, it took a long time. I remember they did that. It was you and your friend. You y'all did that. Oh, and yeah. um i don't think i was actually involved with the checker no you much. were working i didn't work very much back then i think i was still at the bank i don't know it's a little foggy on when i left the bank and you became an insurance salesman yeah I don't know, it's, a little, <laughs> it's a little foggy during that little part we were extremely poor during that point yeah we had paychecks of ten dollars yeah. for the for the week's worth of work it didn't work out. That wasn't working out. We had to change something with that. But um, we're going to keep going in just a minute. Real quick, I want to take a take a quick break.
throw in some commercials here. We're not going to do the full podcast ending that we normally do. Uh, listen to all the podcast shows and stuff like that. So make sure I throw these two commercials that we have in real quick. Um, check out skinnymixers.com before we do that. Lots of good syrups and uh, mixes for cocktails, coffees, mocktails, all that kind of stuff. A lot of it sugar-free. A lot of it caters to the caters to the keto diet. And check them out, skinnymixers.com. If you use the code MARBLES, you'll get 10% off your first order. And just FYI, it doesn't have to be your first order because I ordered a new shipment the other day and they still gave me 10% off because I tried the code MARBLES. Um, <clears throat> I hope that wasn't just a glitch and it doesn't work for everybody. But I say try, try it. it. Yeah, try it anyway. I mm -hmm. uh, recommend we've both have been using it forever. I think you know, Nicole was drinking one right now, actually. I know. What is this, April and I'm drinking pumpkin spice? Yeah, they yeah because we stock up on it and they probably still have it in stock somewhere. Honestly, probably on discount. It's actually clearanced out for four ninety nine. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're basic like I am, <laughs> just saying. Look at check it out, skinnymixes.com. The following announcement has been paid for by the Pulling Up a Chair podcast. Tim here, host of the Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shop podcast. If you're a fan of wrestling figures and the artists that take them to the next level, then I've got a favor to ask of you. Come check out my podcast, Pulling Up a Chair. Each episode, I sit down and talk to figure customizers, figure photographers, set builders, figure collectors, podcasters, and even pro wrestlers. Just search out Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you'll join me next time right here. I'm pulling up a chair. So how do you make a commercial about something so random? I don't know. You make it pretty random. That's right. So if you enjoy lots of random stuff like food or top fives. Random facts. Dirty facts. I try to keep them clean. She tries. Uh, but come listen to Tales from the Estate. We have lots of fun. We try to drop shows every week. Try. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. The kids are the kids are a bear. They are. Uh, but yeah, come listen. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Now, one thing about Nicole is that she did most of the mechanicing of the car. Like she, she was my crew chief. I, I, I'll be the first to tell you, I was just a driver. Like I could do some basic stuff, but for the most part, the mechanic stuff, that was Nicole. Like she got to where she could change the, because once we bought that Toyota Celica, it was putting a lot of wear and tear on the right front uh, suspension. So it was, um, breaking hubs until we finally figured out you know what we need to do to stop it from doing that we probably changed what about four or five right front hubs and you got to where you could finally change them in about 20 minutes <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um i remember her and my brother and uh my dad they they were pretty much uh the pit crew I remember one night I blew a tire and I came into the pits and went right behind the wall. They had a tire waiting for me. So I pulled in like a dang NASCAR pit crew stopped 
I think my dad started using the jack and he jacked up the car. My wife had the impact wrench and she was on her knees down there getting the lug nuts off of the car. And the minute that she pulled the tire off, my brother was right there with the new tire and put it right in place. And y'all started putting the lug nuts back on hand, hand putting them on and then tighten it down with the uh, impact. I literally think it took 30 seconds to change that tire. I got a few job offers that night from the late model teams. So. Remember we were in the pits later that night. I don't think we lost a lap because it happened. Like it was a caution right when that happened. I, we didn't lose a lap. We no. finished, we finished like sixth or seventh, I think eventually in that race. But uh, man, that was so much fun. And I remember later that night, there was a late model crew, big money, late model crew, right? They had a blown tire. Well, they come in the pits and you had this big old 400 pound dude dragging this jack running as fast as he could you had people scrambling trying to get a tire and they come in i think they went green before they got that tire fixed it, it probably took them three or four minutes just like my wife put them to shame my, my family put them to shame it's it's so much fun having the right people with you to do that kind of stuff and we had never practiced that either that was the <laughs> that was the great part about it because benji it's kevin's little brother was just home from the service on va oh, I don't know if you call them vacations leave. or leaves. Yeah, he, was yeah leave. he was on leave. And so I was always in the pits and your dad was in the pits when he was in town. And that night was just like the perfect scenario with Benji being there to have the three people. And it was so funny because afterwards we were cracking up laughing because it was flawless. And like Benji was like, I just, I was just watching and like what you were doing. And he was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And like, we never spoke a word, but we all knew exactly what was happening. And then I remember like the people turned around, like when you took off, people turned around and shook our hands. And it was the funniest thing. We were like, what just happened? You know, cause all these like big guys with the late model teams were like shaking our hands and stuff and they were like that was amazing well, i know that was during a time where we weren't really finishing that well yeah. that was like our sixth seventh eighth place finishing days and when i had that flat and i had that caution to come in and they changed that tire that fast and i stomped on it and got back out there before they got it green uh i know that gave me a massive adrenaline rush and i went flying through the field and to get back up to sixth or seventh actually i think i finished right out of the money i think i finished fourth yeah, because I hung around tech because they tech the top three. I hung around tech because, you know, if one of them gets DQ, they don't go to the next person. And man, I was so excited after that race because uh, just the adrenaline rush it gave me out there. It made me go faster. Just and she always thought I, I raced better when I was angry anyway. That is true. Um, I don't know if y'all know Kevin, but he's a little... OCD when it comes to things and he had a like strict like schedule of things he had to do like a little ritual before a race and you know he questioned me every single race no matter how many times we did it of how many tear-offs did I put on there did I put them <laughs> on there correctly is the batteries fully charged you know things like this his bathroom strict schedule <laughs> That's so, why Subway was a sponsor. They were easy on the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and then um, so the Celica we had was the Celica we learned 
after a little research on my part that um, alternators are great for everyday cars. Mm -hmm. But uh, those alternators pull just a few extra little just juices a, yeah, from the yeah. from the batteries. And you don't need an alternator in a race car, right? But, you know, you didn't want to have to deal with charging up the battery. So I learned that use the alternator throughout the week or the battery. But then right before the race started, I would pull the belt off the alternator. It was one bolt. Yeah, we it's, had it. Um, the Napoleon, get the belt loose. So, of course, we took off like the air conditioner pulleys and stuff as soon as we got a race car. One of those little four-cylinder race cars. Because you didn't need the air conditioner, obviously. It didn't have windows. But um, the air conditioner would pull amps from the battery so we had like special belts made just for these little race cars and we had it on the celica especially it was very easy just to pull the belt off the alternator with one little yeah that that 2.2 i think is what it was from celica yeah uh the 2.2 celica engine didn't have a one main belt to drive everything it had a, a separate belt for the alternator so it was a simple little just get a little ratchet, undo the bolt, move the pulley, pull the belt, pull the belt off. And we would ride around the pits. We'd probably do pack in with the alternator. We would do uh, hot laps if I chose to do them. Eventually I got to where I stopped doing hot laps because I saw it was pointless. And that's a, that's a practice time if you don't know what hot laps are. But usually the track's really, really wet and it just it got to where it was really pointless because i was so much faster than people out there i wasn't getting any practice in for me it was too crowded so i just got to where i don't do them i just saved the car for the heat and feature and um so we would do the alternator belt with all that but when we go up to uh stage to get ready for the race i get in my spot she would ride up there with me at the foot in the four-wheeler and i turn the car off and she would undo that one bolt, pop the hood. She'd undo that one bolt, take the belt off, close the hood back. And before the race would start, I would start up the car just so it's not sitting there running, drawing the battery. I would start up the car just before the race started. And that'd be what we did. I, and I remember distinctly we winning a race because of that. Yeah. And also, I think it got in the competitors' minds, too, because they never <laughs> knew what I was doing. Like, um, I remember your best friend, Jamie, at the time, he was staged beside you and he was like really watching what I was doing. <laughs> and I would take the belt and I would just um, bend it in half and put it in my back pocket. You know, what else are you going to do with the belt? You know, you didn't want to lose it. And I remember him watching me and they're all strapped in the cars, you know, fixing to go in the pits. And I remember him throwing up his hands like, what are you doing? Wait, what are you doing? <laughs> like that. And I remember just smiling as I'm closing up the hood pins on the race car and just smiling. I was like, oh, I was just making it go a little faster for him like that. And I remember really getting in his head one night. And like, as soon as that race was over, he'd come over and he was like, you got to tell me what were you doing? It, and I was that, like, oh, you know, that had to be the night where he won the heat race. Like I was leading the heat race, but he would, he passed me towards the end of the heat race, which is rare. I never really lost heat races. That was really rare. I lost a heat race, especially like just got beat on the racetrack like that. But then we did that for the feature because we had the alternator in the heat race. We did that for the feature and it was the same scenario, just me and him, but he couldn't catch me. He, he stayed that three or four car lengths off of me just because he couldn't catch me. So I think that was probably that night. 
that that happened, <laughs> or a night right after that because he started paying attention to what we were doing. Oh yeah, which <laughs> everyone was always paying attention to what we were doing because we were so much. We were that, very that consistent. Was fast. Yeah, we were very consistent with our speeds. <clears throat> um, I figured out that we could take the right front brake off of the Celica to ease. Mostly we did it to ease tension on the hub because we kept breaking hubs and we were running out of Celicas to raid to steal the hubs off of. And eventually we found a Celica GT, not a GT. It was a, it was a, it was a Toyota was Supra. A that was it. It was Supra. a Toyota Supra and it didn't fit perfectly, but it fit good enough to where and it was a stronger part made for a performance car. We used a Supra GT for the right front hub and it never broke again after that. But also at the same time, we cut the brake line and took the brake rotors and all that off all the weight off of the right front. So we didn't have any extra weight on the right front. We didn't have any extra tension on the right front because when there's no brake on the right front, the left front grabs and the rear grabs, but if the left front grabs and there's nothing grabbing the right front, then your car will automatically pitch left. So if I stab the brake going into a corner, the car would angle left instead of pushing up the track, the car would want to break loose into a spin. And then I would catch it. And by halfway through the corner, I would be driving straight down the banking off the corner. And I got a lot of speed at the end of straightaway because of it, like a lot of speed at the end of straightaway because I, I gained up so much more momentum than they did. And it took a little bit of time for people finally caught on that that's what we were doing. Yeah. But the rules did say three working brakes was yeah. always the rules. There so. was no specific rule about brakes in our class. And the whole track itself had a rule as every car had to have at least three working brakes. Yeah. And usually you cut off the right rear brake in a rear-wheel drive, rear drive car. Yeah. But I thought backwards on that. I don't think anybody did that before me. I no. think I was the first one to do that. And I remember when your friends Rodney and Jamie figured it out that day. It was right after you broke your foot and they were over here helping me pull the car <laughs> uh, back straight. And so it had bent the frame on the Celica. And so they come over and we were pulling the car, you know. That's how you straighten a frame is you hook it to a tree and pull on it. <laughs> and, uh, it is when you don't want to buy another Celica. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, it's still one after it. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> totally. But I remember their faces that day when they realized it, that we didn't have a break on the right front. And I remember both of them trying it about killing mm -hmm. themselves and then putting the brake back on. <laughs> yeah. You, that was something you had to get used to for, for real. The first time I did it, uh, that video is actually up on YouTube. I put some stupid uh, music track behind it, but that was the first race I ever tried it. And that I dominated at the end of that race. Uh, nobody could catch me, but it was me trying to get by this person for over half the race without just flat out wrecking them because I tried my best not to race really dirty and stuff and the track was not very wide that night as far as what you could actually do racing wise i saw a lot of times i know it got on the cold's nerves when i would go into a corner underneath somebody i wouldn't come up the track and cut them off especially if it was a friend of mine i would try to hold my line on the bottom and they would get more momentum off the, of the top of the corner and they would end up passing me back on the straightaway that happened a lot 
where I would come and in, go into the corner ahead of them and then come off the corner. They would be back, back in front of me on the straightaway because I never like to take advantage of somebody out there. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I always said you were too nice. When it's my friends out there, I am yeah. too nice. I am. I was a little bit more aggressive, but just as a person in general as well. But if you ever meet uh, us in person, you'll realize that I'm very competitive and aggressive and things like that. And Kevin's not. Kevin's not aggressive by any means. Um, but if I ever get in on the, on the high side, I just never it never had a problem. The high side was always my favorite place to run at that track. Uh, it carried up so much more momentum and everything else. I just flew right by everybody up there. So I didn't have to bog the car down on the bottom. I guess I could have shifted on the bottom. That probably would. Oh God, no! Fine. No, <laughs> I didn't no. want to shift. <laughs> I just I put it in third gear at the start, and like when we took the green flag, or revved it way up, put it third gear, and never touched it. <laughs> just, <laughs> I never wanted him to shift because that oh. car never hit the rev limiter either. I never remember the sucker hitting the rev limiter. You get you hear those Saturns. Go down straight right at the end of the corner all the time. That, that Selka just accelerated all the way through. Yeah. Never hit a rev limiter. I think the worst thing we've ever done was sell that Selka. Mm -hmm. We didn't need the money that day. We just did it because we wanted to move classes. <clears throat> well, the next the next year we uh, took the parts car for the Selka, which is a Selka GT model. This was an ST model, which is like the non sport model. The GT being the sport model. We took the engine that we had that was really good and strong and we put it in that GT model that didn't have an engine and, or it had an engine, but I think it was blown up or something like something was wrong with the engine if it had one. And we took all the pieces and parts that we knew that we wanted to keep onto the, and moved it over to the new GT model. But that was a sport car that we were out there racing with now. And the last two races we ran with that car, it led every lap in the heat race and the feature. It never saw another car's bumper. Oh, no. Like it, both those races, the last two races we ran with that car before we sold it. We, we led everything. I do have to, as my mom would say, toot my own horn about that car because <laughs> the, just changing the different models, all the wiring didn't add up. And oh my goodness. It was a different year too. Um, we had taken, we live in Atmore. It's a little bitty town in here in Alabama. And his best friend, Jamie, lived in Grove Hill, which is about an hour. Yeah, a little over that. A little over an hour yeah. north of us in the middle of the woods. Like they literally had a gas station. It was the only store that they had. But he had a shop. He had an 18-wheeler shop. His yeah. daddy owned an 18-wheeler shop. And I went for the week and stayed up there and slept on their couch I think I slept on their couch a few nights and then I slept in the shop a few nights as well. I went up and, there once or twice with you when I could. Yeah, you would come off work and come up there, but they helped us swap the engine over. I remember we slept they in the had car the, one night. They had the lifts and everything. And uh, we swapped the engine over and I swapped all the suspension over and the fuel tank and the battery and we swapped the roll cage. And then it got to the wiring and they abandoned me because they said, this is never going to work. <laughs> and I think it took me a day and a half to rewire the car up. And of course, none of the wiring made sense whatsoever in that car. And just researching, because remember back then it was before you had like Google on your phones mm -hmm. and we had to buy the books for all the cars this from like advanced 2007 auto parts. going into 2008. That's what this was. 
So I had both books for the cars <laughs> and like going back and forth between colored wires to what color this wire was supposed to be to, oh my goodness. But I remember it fired off that first time when I got all the wiring done. And I remember Jamie and Ike just turning around just saying, I don't even know how she did it. How, how'd she do it? Like, <laughs> but it was the patience I had was sitting there figuring out all the different wires and stuff because all those cars, the wiring harness was so complicated, more complicated than it ever needed to be. So with, between those two Celicas, I think we won about 13 heat races and five features. Yeah. Something like that. It was worth it. We didn't win the championship in 07 when we won 10 and three, but I want to say 10. It might have been a little bit more. So the year that Rodney won the championship? That was the year Rodney won. And Jamie finished second, I think. I think we finished third. Yeah. Um, we didn't win the championship that year because we kept – it was either – the first half of the year, it was either we won or we broke. Yeah. Or we finished in top two or three and we broke. It was like every every two weeks we broke. And second half of the year, we finally figured it out. Um, I'm surprised we didn't win more, Yeah. honestly, as fast as that car was. Well, that year was – the most scariest year for me with racing. And that was the year you broke your foot. Yeah. Well, they were overprotective of me. Right well, then, but yeah. So Kevin had always taught me that if something's wrong in a wreck, you keep your window net up. And he had like, you know, told me this before and, you know, his grandparents knew and my mom knew like, if you keep your window net up, something's wrong. And so Kevin had wrecked in turn three to four right there in the middle of those. And he kept his window net up and we were well known at the track. You know, Kevin was well known and for being a clean racer. And, you know, that was our home track at that point, deep South. And so everyone up there knew me because, you know, wherever you saw Kevin, you saw me. And, uh, I remember the flagman climbed down out of his stand and come to where I was, where I was standing down against the fence. Cause I was recording. Like I always was, was taught to record every race. And when the flagman come to me, he says, Hey, there's a four wheeler coming to get you. And that's all he said. And I look at the car and the car's window net's still up. And so he opens the little gate at the flag stand. I walk down to the track and already everyone's just like talking, you know, like what's happened? You know, the window net's still up and there's people all around Kevin's car and the four wheeler comes and gets me, picks me up, takes me to turn three and four. And she's like, I don't know what's wrong, but he's talking. And that's all that they told her. And I was like, okay. So we get over there and Kevin's like, I'm fine, but I think my leg's broken or my foot's broken. And first of all, I'm mad at him. Because he's wrecked the car, which I know it's not his fault, but I'm just I, looking at the car. I was winning. I'm just looking at the car and I'm, I'm ticked at the car because the car's messed up. I'm ticked at him because he broke his foot. And then it was so I can many tell you emotions. How I, broke the foot. I mean, I tried to break. And I went, my, my stupid self, when I broke, I tried to break with my right foot. That's not the one that broke. Yeah. My left foot broke because I tried to break with my left foot. I stopped and I tried to use the clutch. To try not to kill the car. Like I thought that was going to happen. Yeah. Like I thought I was just going to keep going after I hit the wall or something. I don't know what I was doing. But my left foot broke because I put it on the floor with a clutch. And it didn't have any tension on it like the brake pedal did. So it didn't have a cushion. Yeah. The left foot pretty much just 
powered into the, the wall with the uh, actual car itself. Well, I can tell you that the car broke the concrete wall. It did. That's it did. how hard Kevin hit. A piece of the concrete in the right front wheel was shoved back for, I think, six inches. Yeah. I think. I think we measured it out six inches less on the wheelbase on the right side and the left side after that car. After yeah. That wreck. It was, it was a hard hit. It completely messed up that frame. But that was also Deep South got in big trouble because they didn't have an ambulance on site. Well, I think what happened with that wreck was, I mean, in retrospect, oh, you just broke your foot. No big deal about that. But in retrospect, I, it, I think it might have knocked me for a loop because I was panicking after that wreck. Yeah. I, I hit the wall at about 70 miles an hour head on. Well, at an angle, but it was on the front end of the car. And I had never hit a like hit the wall that hard. I had never gotten to a wreck that hard. And I think it might have dazed me a little bit. And and that kind of had me panicking. So I had people kind of I was frantically trying to get people to come over to the car and help me because I'd never experienced that before. Yeah. I think in retrospect I probably overreacted. I, I mean I definitely overreacted. But at the same time, I don't feel like it was just as simple as, oh, I just broke my foot. I should just get out and hobble off and get get a ride to the hospital or something to get an x-ray. I don't think it was as simple as that. I think something actually did happen like inside my head with it. I don't think it was like full-fledged concussion or nothing like that. But I do want to I do feel like I did get a little looping right there for a few seconds until things calmed down. I know the track staff was very franicky. Mm -hmm. When they come to me, they were franicky. And so and then when I got there, you were like, it's just my foot's broken. And I remember being relieved, but then angry and then frustrated because the track didn't have the personnel they were supposed to have. And then they kept apologizing to us because they screwed up about the personnel. And it was a big ordeal because then they were scared to move you. And you were like, no, it's fine. It's just my foot. But I think that initial moment when the first guy got there and I think the way you were acting, I think it scared him a lot. Yeah, it probably did. Like I say some some of it's probably a reaction from my part and their experience in that, but I, I think of some of it is also yeah. By far that I was probably the, got hit a little too hard in the head right there. Yeah, by far <laughs> that was the scariest moment for us. But we were always extremely safe. We always made sure like your equipment was in date, and you always had a neck brace, and you know we didn't do Hans devices because that was NASCAR kind of situation. But we always had the dirt track mm -hmm. version. I always had a neck brace. Yeah, I always did. And I mean. I'm thankful it was only a broken foot, but it was also a really cool story that that week that Jamie and Rodney come over and your grandparents and my mom and your parents, we all like pulled together and got your car completely rebuilt by like straightening the frame, redoing the whole front end um, and got you back out there the next week and let you dominate the field and your yeah, best friends, won. your best friends never let you live it down that they were never going to help me again. Yeah. <laughs> Get your we, back we beat those people directly behind me were the people that came out and helped me with the car. And in all fairness, we did go to the hospital. He did have x-rays. They said his foot was fine. He hobbled around for a week. It turned black and blue and purple and every shade you could imagine. He couldn't barely put weight on it. He did race that weekend. And then the next week, we took him back to the doctor and they were like, oh, just kidding. It's broken in like four different places because the flat bone in his foot was shattered. And so, and they said the x-ray, the first x-ray, they couldn't see that because there was so much edema in his foot from the initial crash. 
that then he had to spend an extended amount of time in a cast mm -hmm. because he had walked on it for two weeks after it was broken and, and then therapy after he lost so much muscle mass <clears throat> in his leg. Like how many years ago was this? Uh, this was 07. So, so what's that? Six, seven years, six years. No, 16 years. I'm I sorry. was like, Whoa, I've lost a decade, <laughs> 16 years. Like if you look at his calves now, like he's very muscular in his legs that that side is always atrophied a little bit just because of that extended time in that cast. Yeah. It was a good two months in the cast. I want to say. Oh yeah. Something like that. I think that's probably gonna do it for the racing part of it. As far as our personal experiences, uh, the Celica was the last real car we had. We had a vintage car after that, which is a kind of like a street stock class, a higher up class. I don't really want to get into that too much. We got a car that was really cheap compared to other cars that we just really couldn't ever get a handle on. It was a really cool looking car. I'm proud of the way that car looked. Oh, and yeah. I learned a lot though. I learned mm -hmm. about the different gears and it was a different world. And, oh yeah. It's a completely different world. It's not a world that I wouldn't like to try to uh, you know, visit again one day. It's just when you got people out there building cars for $25,000 and you buy a race ready car for 3,700 and you're racing for $350 to win. <laughs> I mean, you kind of, you, you, you've been outclassed, you know, <laughs> in a, in a sense. So just leave that alone and let yeah. those guys spend those really stupid, stupid amounts of money oh, yeah, to like, race for 300 bucks. You could hear their engines crank up and then you would hear <laughs> ours. And you would just be like, okie dokie. You know, I felt like mine had power because I was keeping up with people on the straightaways. I really felt like that. I felt like my, my engine wise, I felt like it had power. It's just like, we couldn't get that car to handle through the corners. No. And like people tried to like help us by like, you mm -hmm. know, teaching us about the weights and stuff like that. And um, Rodney really tried to help us. Um get it all worked into the corner, but then Lord helping. He raced it one weekend when you had to work and he couldn't make one lap without hitting it head on into the wall. It just, it, it wasn't working out. Maybe one day uh, we'll revisit something like that way down the road. I have no idea, but I don't know. But right. we did, that was the last race car we owned. And mm -hmm. I am thankful we did. We sold that car in thoughts of buying a new car. You remember that? We like we sold the vintage at the beginning of the was it February or the end of January we sold it and we were like the season was about to get started and 2010 we were, we were going to 2011 maybe start looking for another car but we didn't know what class and things like that and we ended up getting pregnant with Noah I'm in 2011 then or and 2012 early 2012 then yeah we got pregnant with Noah and we never bought another car. <laughs> We had to start buying diapers. <laughs> <laughs> I think eventually we're going to get into a uh, a new class that's starting around here called the Crown Vic class, uh, where it's rear-wheel drive V8 cars, but you don't have to do a whole lot to them because they have to be stock. Yeah. You know, and all of them have this. I know I I talked about a class having all the same car, but when it's a themed class like that and they all have the same car, like the vintage class is a themed class. They all look alike. Uh, the Crown Vic class will be a theme class. They all look alike. You know, they call them Crown Stocks around here. Um, we're thinking about jumping into something like that, but I don't know. We'll see how what the future holds. Now we got a house to pay for. So, 
Yeah. Like we were talking about just a few months ago, getting the cars and I started making contacts and stuff, putting, you know, finding people to build roll cages and things like that. And then, you know, I decided it's time to buy a house. <laughs> just kind of messed that up. But we also got to think about our kids. So for Father's Day last year, I bought you the racing setup. Are you talking about the steering wheel? Yeah, the yeah. steering wheel with the pedals and everything for the PlayStation 5. And our 10-year-old and 8-year-old are addicted all of a sudden. And I'd love to get, especially the, the middle child, Dylan, I would love to get him in a, in a little uh, Legends car, Bandolero or something. I feel like he would kill it. Oh yeah, probably kill someone else. Though, he's, too, you know. the oldest is more like me. He's conservative. He's, he's, yeah, he's he's smart about what he's doing. He's real calculated about what he does. The youngest is one of those drivers like Ross Chastain that just throws it all at the wall and yeah. goes as goes as hard as he can all the time and will be wild. So um, he would be a lot of fun to watch race. Yeah, the oldest would be like Mark Martin. I always felt like I was more like Mark Martin when I raced, but. I was working the other night and um, the kids were at the house. So they were up most of the day in the house playing video games. And I think Noah was doing like full length races that day, <laughs> like having to do the pit stops and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Cause when I walked in there, like I think he was second out of 40 cars and I looked at like, the laps to go and he had, like a hundred more laps to go. And then I was like, how long have you been playing this? You know? And, he was like, oh, it's a full race, mom. You know, and he was so it's into fun, it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun when you when you can like, do those oh. full races like that. Because I used to do them when I was, uh, I haven't done a full race in a long time, but I used to do those when I was in high school. And just PlayStation 1, PlayStation yeah. 2, those little NASCAR games like that. I used to do those full races like that. And uh, that's so much fun. It's, it's nothing like real life, honestly, because... You know, you have those things and they hardly have any cautions in them or anything. And, you know, everything, everybody gets strung out so much in the strategy as opposed to how it is in real life, which it's kind of cool, though, because it's kind of old school NASCAR, too, the same way. But it uh, it's so much fun when you can. I'm, I think it's cool that they actually have fun doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And they like we have like the Gran Turismo game, which mm -hmm. I've always enjoyed growing up. But they won't play that. They're like, no, no, no. We got to race, like race, race, like real race, mom. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I wish they would learn how to do the, uh, we have kids Our coming two -year -olds in now. headed this way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish they would learn how to do the dirt track stuff on there. Real quick before we get out of here, let's talk about Talladega. Yes. We've, we've got a lot of experience with Talladega. We've been to Talladega a lot. Uh, was your first race right before we got married? Was that your first Talladega race? I think it was. It was 2004, uh, the fall race in 2004. Because I don't, I don't think I've ever was allowed to take you up to Talladega before then because you were still in high school. <laughs> no, I met Kevin when I was 12. We started dating when I was 13. No, I think you got that. Did he, was it? No, it was this, I was the youngest one in my class. So I was the youngest one in my class, so I was still 16. Yeah, when we I met. I met you at band camp, which I know how that sounds. <laughs> I was 12 that summer. I turned 13 oh, that August. We grew up with that, yeah. that whole band camp situation. So yeah, Megan played understand. the flute. So, you know, poor Megan. <laughs> I think she's more traumatized than I am. Is that? But yeah, we met 
I guess that was uh, 2000. Yeah. Fall of 2000. And uh, when I graduated, we kind of stayed together. Uh, her mom's blessing. There wasn't nothing weird. Y'all, you know, don't think like that. But it was legal. Then it was illegal. <laughs> and then it was legal again. If that makes any sense. I don't, it wasn't illegal as long as your mom was okay with it. Once your mom wasn't okay with it, it became, it would become illegal because as I think there's a law, there's like a precedent law. Like if you, if a couple gets together while they're still underage, but one of them becomes of age, one of them is still underage. It's not an illegal thing unless somebody has a big problem with it. That's a guardian. Gotcha. You know, but anyway, that's a weird topic. Um, we, uh, we kept dating and all that, and yeah, you might hear you might hear somebody in the background over there. Our two-year-old is very upset that her sock is dirty. Um, but real quick, we'll go into some of the experiences we had at Talladega. We I can't count how many times we've been. I've lost track. No, and we went the Sunday before we got married on a Monday. Um, I think that was my first trip, and then. We took my mom for her first one and your dad up one mm-hmm. time. That we was camped. the year that was the year Regan Smith uh, got pushed below the line and Tony Stewart won the race. Yeah, that was the that was our first camping experience up there, like in a tent, and then we about froze to death that night. So I remember one year we also worked with uh Aaron's. Yes. So I worked at Aaron's still. You had already left mm-hmm. Aaron's, but it was um they would pay for the hotel and I just had to work the tent for like so many hours that morning. And then they would give you sweet tickets and it was supposed to be just for Saturday, but then they didn't, the workers that were supposed to come Sunday didn't show up. So then they offered, Hey, if you want to do it Sunday morning too, we'll give you sweet tickets as well. And I was like, heck yeah. So we ended up getting sweet tickets for all the races. Mm -hmm. Catered and everything. Catered, air conditioned, yeah, that was before we had kids. So, and then there was one year we uh, we somebody gave us tickets to to Bud Light so party I, deck or something. Yeah, like that. Christine gave us tickets. Um, she had won tickets from the radio station for the Miller's Light Miller Light. That's it. Miller Lights uh, deck party. Mm-hmm. And she, we both worked together for this company, and she did wouldn't call in on Sunday, and we were kind of joking, and I was like, oh, I'll call in, and she's like, but you're scheduled work, and I was like, no, legit, I'll call in. And she's like, okay, here's the tickets. And then she was like, I can't believe you're going to call in. And I think she was actually my boss then. Like she was like in a role <laughs> higher than I was. So I, I would have to call into her. And I kind of looked at her and I was like, all right, I'll call you first thing in the morning. You know, just kind of joking. And I don't think she thought I was going to do it. And then I did it. And then I remember showing her pictures and stuff like that when we got back. And then she was like super jealous. Cause I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, it was catered. And it was like all these free like Miller like drinks and stuff. And that was, that was when they were doing these weird drinks. It was like an energy drink combo. Yeah. They Miller had energy one. drinks and cocktails and just Miller lights yeah. themselves and then food. And it was like right there behind the grandstands going into like turn one, like the mm-hmm. furthest it would go down there. Wasn't the best place for that. No, and our tickets were like right on the fence. I don't say it wasn't shaded either. It was like out in the sun. No, but they gave us like free t-shirts and stuff. Because I remember it got cold when the sun went down and we were in the shade. Because I remember we started putting on all the t-shirts they were giving us because <laughs> we were freezing. Um, and then one year we went, I guess it was the year I had the broke foot. Oh, yeah. I had to push you in the wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I had the wheel. That wasn't that we, we, we borrowed a wheelchair just so I wouldn't have to hobble around on crutches the whole time. And we got front row seats. That was the year Dale Jarrett won his last race. Yeah. Because that front 10 seat. car flipped right in front of us. Yeah. I remember that. That 10 car went barrel rolling down the front straight away. That was the race that we were um, black afterwards. Like the tar. Yeah, the, all the rubber and stuff in our yeah. face. Uh, scratching your head and pieces of rubber and dirt and stuff like that fall out of it because the cars will fly by at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. I had never been that close. That was, that was incredible. Well, I think the most fun I had was this past year when we took the kids. Well, see, we also went 19. We, we went the... 19 and saw Blaney win. That was Dylan. That was their first NASCAR race, I think, wasn't it? It was Noah and Dylan's first, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember that year because I remember Brendan gone. And he flipped over uh over everybody in turn three and four i think it got rain delayed and we had to come back the next day yeah because we it after a rain delay at some of these races it's kind of like a free-for-all on where you sit the next day because half the people don't show back up so there was an empty row they have these 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 rows that are just above they're like one like a half a level like you have uh the tower and you have grandstand and you have the walkways in between. But then there's this one row all by itself. It's like half a level in between those two where there's nobody in front of you, nobody on top of you, nobody below you. It's just all you in one row. And you can see the entire track above everybody else. And those seats up there were empty on that row. And there was nobody guarding the stairs going to the road. And we're like, well, let's go on up there. So we went up there. And, man, that's the best place to watch a race. We had a pretty good place this, this past time, too. Yeah. The, there's a top row of the grandstands that there's two rows that are kind of separated from everybody else and they're kind of gated. So we could actually keep the baby in and have her running around and stuff and without worrying about her going down the grandstands and junk like that. Nobody was directly in front of you. And But yeah, we went 19 and we went back this past fall. And that was when we had the infield experience on Sunday. I highly recommend the infield experience, especially with the kids, seeing all the race cars up close and just the price of food and everything was so much like it was so reasonable. Mm -hmm. Like the dollar fifty hot dogs and yeah. I don't know if you've met our kids, but oh my goodness, they eat like crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that real that place in the middle is called Big Bills and they have all sorts of different uh they had pizza and yeah, hot dogs and hamburgers eat. and sausage dogs and sodas. And we got to see Bobby and Donnie Allison. Oh, that was down neat. there too. We got an Alabama gang hat signed by them. I don't know if I'd be able to take my Darlington seat in there, unfortunately. I'd love to get them to sign my Darlington seat. You know, I think they would let you because they would. we went through metal detectors. And, of course, you could have metal stuff. You just had to show it to them what it was. It's a heavy seat to be carrying around there. It's good. Well, I mean, they allowed strollers, which they said they wasn't going to allow strollers. So, but then there was people with strollers inside of there. I almost feel like I would need a ride back to the car to take it back. And then yeah. go back in, which I think they would do because there were shuttles in and out of there. But yeah, that was, that was a really fun experience. Uh, Saturday, the race is tomorrow. Have you made your decision on who you're going to? I'm back and forth between two people, but it's Talladega, you know? It's wild. Anyone Talladega's can win wild. this. I have already picked mine. 
on Twitter uh, or Facebook, I have picked Bubba Wallace. Oof. <laughs> hey, if there's any track you will pick Bubba Wallace at, it'll be Talladega. He is a past winner. See, I have trouble picking the drivers like that I absolutely detest. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like, this is why I'm doing so bad in the league. It's because I won't pick people that make the vomit filling in my mouth. <laughs> like Joey Logano. I cannot pick Joey Logano. I just can't do it. You know, there's people like that. <laughs> I went back and forth between him and Ross Chastain. But I think I'm going to save Chastain for another road course. But, um. I got you. Yeah. Probably the Indy road course because he seemed like he about had a handle on that last year. He might have cut the corner and cheated a little bit, but he cheated within the rules that they gave, and then they changed rules at the end of the race. But I'll get to that when we talk about Indy in a few weeks. Well, this has been fun. It's been interesting trying to dice the kids coming in and out of the room too. Oh, yeah, totally. But So this might be a little choppy sound. It might be a little echoey sounding, but I don't know how this comes across. I haven't checked it out yet, but there's no other alternative. Our house is completely empty. So. We have to go to a football game. Our kids have flag football, and when we're done, I'm going to edit this and throw it right out there so it'll be up. This should be Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening when you're listening to this or when it's up. Hope you'll be able to catch it before the race starts uh, tomorrow, Sunday at Talladega. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, anything you want to add? Anything you want to throw out there before we go? No, we could do a few more episodes of all your racing stories. Yeah, we haven't touched half of it. I, I noticed that we haven't touched. Yeah, something's clicking over there. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> It's something within the wind and the things up top that's probably making something move a little bit up there. Actually, I think that's what it is. I think it's the wind blowing the vent up there. Yeah, I've noticed that something's clicking up in our house. We're just trying to make sure our new house isn't possessed like our old house is. So, it's know. only two years old. It can't be that possessed. You know. <laughs> We're the first people in it. We'll see. Anyway, uh, this was fun. We'll get. We'll have to do this again sometime. Uh, Ethan, hope you get better, man. We'll hope. Hopefully, we'll get to have him on the podcast next week. It's our one-year anniversary. Uh, many more to come, hopefully, and we'll see you guys next time in the marbles.